Well, good morning, church family. Uh, it is a joy to, uh, to get to be with you, to worship alongside of you today. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, it's where we began last week, kind of this last little series through the book of Hebrews. Uh, and it's kind of bittersweet. We are coming to the end of this letter uh, that we've been walking through since January. Uh, and it's just been, for me personally, just such a special thing. It's been uh, a means of God's grace just in my own life, my family's life of following Jesus. And so as you turn there, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to do two things this week, if you haven't done this already. First, if you've not done this yet, most of you have been on this journey with us for this past year, Take some time this week before the Lord uh, in your own devotion, your abiding time. And I'll just encourage you to ask the question, God, what have you taught me through this book? How have you been growing me, changing me, making me more like Jesus through your word? And just before the Lord, take some time to kind of think back and kind of look at your life. Maybe even ask someone else, how have you seen God kind of change me as we've been walking through this Write those things down, but here's the second challenge. Don't just write it down. Tell someone about it. So in your fellowship group, at your equip table, in a study group, to a coworker, neighbor, talk about what God's been doing in your life. Tell the glory of how Jesus has been so good to you through his word. And just as we come in next week, and next week will be kind of our last Sunday together in the book of Hebrews, wrapping up this letter, we just want to celebrate what God has done. So I just want to encourage you, challenge you in that. So this morning, uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 13. Pastor Justin just did a phenomenally faithful job last week of walking through the first uh, 16, 15, 16 verses here in this uh, last chapter of the letter. And what we see in the book of Hebrews again and again, we, we've said it, we've sung it, Jesus is better. He's the better revelation. He's the better priest. He's the better sacrifice. He's the better covenant. He's the better access that... Everything that we have in our relationship with God happens through Jesus Christ. We've seen that again and again and again. It's meant to remind these saints who received this letter and for us today as the people of God that Jesus is our hope, what we just sang about. Amen? Thank you for that. Uh, so we've seen that again. We've, we've been challenged by warnings. There's been five warning sections throughout Hebrews reminding us, calling us, turn from sin, turn to Jesus, that our hearts are prone to wander, it's easy to become overburdened by the weight of sin and the world around us. Don't fall away. Don't let there be an evil, grumbling heart inside of you. And as we come into Hebrews chapter 13, we go from some of these big propositions, these theological doctrines about Jesus and how he fulfills the Old Testament law and covenant to really practical daily life. What does it look like for you and for me to live out the gospel, to be a church who makes Jesus visible? And last week we saw that happens in our generosity, that happens in contentment, that happens in marriage, that happens in hospitality, and all of these different ways that plays out. And today, as we continue in Hebrews, we're just going to look at a few verses. One of the ways that plays out is through how we respond to godly leaders. That God in his grace and his kindness has given the church leaders to love, to serve God's people. How do we respond to them? What is their role? We see that this morning. So let's just read together. We're going to start in verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God. 
Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I just want to pause there and say amen. That's good news for us this morning. Jump down to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. This is the word of the Lord. And sometimes I'll get asked, the question, what are, what are the things that you love about the church? What do you love most about being a member, being on staff at Tri-Cities Baptist Church? And at the top of the list uh, is always this statement, I love the leadership at Tri-Cities. I love the plurality of elders that we have. It has been such a gift of grace to my life as a member of this church, uh, and it has been a joy for my family. And I think a marker of just God's grace is kindness and even health in the life of our church family. And so when I respond like that and kind of have for you know, a long time, I usually get like one of three responses when I talk about elders. Uh, first response is, elders, that's kind of strange. You know, that's weird. What, what, what are elders? And I think when people think about elders and pastors, some things come to mind. They might think of like a board of directors, Uh, For some people, you might just think about like a group of grumpy old men, you know, around the table, like elders kind of thing. Uh, For some, that might be some super spiritual Jedi council that's far removed from everybody else and has like unique spiritual powers and abilities and kind of all kind of weird ideas that come in that. Uh, Another response sometimes is not that that's strange. Sometimes the response is it's kind of suspicious. Uh, how does that work? What's that about? And a lot of times that kind of comes out of maybe there's been church hurt or brokenness in the past or uh, they've been wounded by leaders or whatever that might be. So it's like elders, that just seems kind of nefarious. Like what, what's going on there? I don't know how I feel about that. But the third response uh, that I get is, man, that sounds really biblical. And I think that's what the author of Hebrews is wanting us to see this morning. That when we think about leadership in light of what it is meant to be given to us by God that we see in Scripture, it is a good gift of Jesus to his people for their good and for his glory. And that leads to our big truth this morning, which is this. Jesus equips his church with leaders. Jesus, the chief leader, the chief shepherd, equips his church, his body, universal and local, with leaders. Ultimately, this large church that we're connected to, we all look to Jesus. Every Jesus follower, he is the head of the church. But in God's kindness and his grace, he gives local churches, like this one, leaders to equip you, to equip me for his glory, for our good. So we've already looked at Hebrews 13, 17, but I want you to notice why this is good news for you and for me. In Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, For they are keeping watch over what? The church? The building? The budget? Your soul. Your soul. That the leaders within the local church, they they are called to care for your soul. To protect you. 
from the lies of the enemy, to encourage you in the days of difficulty, to teach you the truth, the word of God, and to come alongside you as you run the race. That's good news. But they don't just take care and watch over your soul. They also, it says in verse 17, they give an account that one day those leaders are going to stand before God, the righteous judge, on your behalf in the way that they've led or have not led. It's a heavy, it's a weighty thing. In 1 Peter 5, the apostle Peter speaks to the leaders in the local church, the elders. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That's watch over, look over, care for soul language that we see in chapter 13 of Hebrews. Not under compulsion, not being forced to, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, so for not for money or for popularity, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, meaning not leading abusively or, or dictatorially, but instead being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, talking about Jesus, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is what God has given to the church, shepherd leaders elders, pastors. Jeremiah 3.15, there's this promise, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. It's this looking ahead to this day when God is going to be giving leaders to his people to care for their souls who will be faithful to God and faithful to them in the middle of a, a crooked time in the nation of Israel's history. Then Acts 20.28 20, says this, the apostle Paul speaking to the elders at Ephesus, the church there, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And you can feel the weight of that, that this church is not just a group of people to, to kind of lead or invest in. No, this is the people of Jesus. Care for them. Love them, serve them well. This is the role and the calling that God has given to leaders within the local church. And so I think one of the questions as we read through this Hebrews passage, because he doesn't use the word elder, he doesn't use the word bishop, he doesn't use the word pastor, he uses the word leaders to say, okay, well, who is he talking about? Is this just elders and pastors? Or is this more broad and general to leadership? And I think that's a challenge for us because in the 21st century where we live, when we think about leadership, leadership really equals influence. So in some way, shape, or form, all of us are leaders because all of us have influence in the lives of others. And that is true. You have influence in someone else's life. You have the opportunity to lead them. And that might be in the context of a fellowship group or a study group or an equip table or a discipling relationship as a parent, whatever that might be. And in that realm, you and I are called to shepherd those people well, to honor Jesus well. But specifically in this passage, he's not just talking to everyone in the church because in verse 7 he says, remember your leaders. If he was speaking to everyone, he would have said, remember your brothers and sisters. He uses that language throughout Hebrews. He's talking about a particular group of people. 
And in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the word leader that's used here is always a position of authority. It is, is a role that has been given, a right to lead, to have authority to lead over. And in the New Testament, there's only one role in the church that has positional authority, not given to a person based on how clever they are, how good they are with people, but because of the word of God. And that role is elders, pastors. So I think in this passage as we walk through it, that what is in primary view here for us this morning is to think about that role of pastor-elder. But there are principles and implications that shape the way that you and I live in our daily lives. One, toward pastors and elders, but two, just in our understanding of authority. What does God's authority mean for our life? And then third, in the areas where you have influence, where you have some level of authority in someone else's life, there are principles here that should guide the way in which you pursue those brothers or sisters in Christ. And for the sake of time this morning, I, I can't do like a, a big theological like walk through the New Testament and what are elders and what are pastors and all those passages, but I just encourage you in your own study, you can go back and I'll just give you a few passages. You can write these down. Acts 20. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, 1 Peter 5. And these are some of the texts where we see the role, the calling, the qualifications of what elders and pastors are to be that, that guide this local church, Tri-Cities Baptist Church. And when you see the word overseer and elder and pastor in the New Testament, it's three different ways of saying the same role, three different functions that kind of come together. And so here, in case you're wondering, if you're not a member, we have elders. We are an elder-led church. Some of those elders give oversight to kind of the whole of the church. Some of those elders give oversight to specific ministries within the church. The elders are pastors, and pastors are elders. We see that in the New Testament. That's how it plays out here. And if you have questions about what that looks like practically, I would just encourage you, Discover Tri-Cities is the place to ask those questions. Every Wednesday night, uh, meets downstairs. And it's an opportunity to talk about what these things mean and how they play out in our church practically. You might be coming from a church that's deacon-led, or you may have not come from a church at all, and you just have questions about how does leadership look like. That would be a great next step for you. The second thing I'll just practically say before we just kind of dive into the text is, is this. The assumption in Hebrews, the assumption throughout the New Testament is that every Jesus follower will be a member of a local church. And by member, we're not talking about like Sam's Club membership where you got your card and you get your discount, that kind of thing. That's not what we mean. It's members in like finger and hand. Just like the fingers connected to the hand and the toe to the foot. We are members of one another. We are connected. We thrive together. We live together. We suffer together. Jesus is the head of the body. And so if you're not a part of a local church family, if you're not a member, that's the next step for you in honor of Jesus Christ for your good, for his glory. And so when we think about this passage, it leads to a couple of really important questions. This is what I want to give the next uh, little bit of time we have to you. Question number one is this. What do godly leaders do? What do they do? Who are they called to be? How do you know what a godly leader is? The kind of leader that you can trust, the kind of leader you can follow. What does scripture say? What do these verses say about that? What do leaders do? Then secondly, how do we, as a local church, how are we to respond to our leaders? 
What does God's word tell us? How do we live out uh, a life of being under God's authority that he's given within the local church? So first question, what do leaders do? Two big ideas. First one is this. Leaders are called to shepherd God's family faithfully. First big idea. Leaders are called to shepherd God's family faithfully. Again, just take us back to verse 7. Chapter 13, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 17, again, obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. So in these verses, we get a picture of what leadership look like. Leadership in local church doesn't look like CEOs. It's not a board. It's not a council. It's not a homeowners association. Praise the Lord. Amen. Right? In scripture, the picture of leadership in the local church is shepherd. It's shepherd. In the Old Testament and New Testament, it refers to leaders more than any other picture as shepherds. What are shepherds? Shepherds are called to lead, to feed, to protect, to guide the sheep, to care for them, to help them. That is what the role of an elder pastor is. It's to come alongside and care for you, to guide you, to protect you, to nurture you, to come alongside of you. The word shepherd is really important. Again, I've already mentioned it in Scripture. It's equated with leadership again and again, but it's also important because one of the ways that God reveals himself to people is through the picture of shepherd. Many of us know and love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no lack. I have no want. He shepherds us. He makes us lie down in green pasture. He leads us to the valley of the shadow of death. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. God is a shepherd to his people. But not only is God a shepherd to his people in the New Testament, guess what Jesus says about himself? I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. I know them and they are known by me. And this is the picture that God has given to his church of what godly leaders are called to be, to be a shepherd, not perfectly like Jesus, but following the example of Jesus. So what does that look like practically? I'm just going to run through several things. You can pull these off the notes online. If you need to go back and grab something, I'll move quickly. So several things that we see practically about godly leaders from this text. First, godly leaders teach God's word. They teach God's word. Verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you what? The word of God. Godly leaders teach the word of God. They don't teach their opinion. They don't teach philosophy. They don't teach their perspective. They don't teach worldly experience. No, they rightly handle the word of truth, as 2 Timothy 2.15 says. In 1 Timothy 3, when Paul tells Timothy to go get elders for the church of Ephesus, they must be able to teach is one of those qualifications. Not teach an education, but teach God's word. To know it, to be faithful to it, to know how to handle it. Any pastor leader who does not declare to you the word of God is not a godly pastor or elder. Their authority does not come from their position, their title. Their authority comes from God's word. We do not speak on our behalf. We speak on behalf of the Lord. 
And so a godly leader is called to teach God's word, teaching the full counsel of God's word, walking in obedience to it. Can I just be honest for a moment? Like being one of the elders on our team and coming up and teaching on leadership is a little bit awkward. Uh, But the reason why we do it is because we're a church who teaches the Bible. And as we go through the book of Hebrews, that's where we are. So that's what we're teaching this morning. Okay, so we'll just kind of get the, uh, get the tension out of the room that's there that I feel, maybe you feel as well. We teach God's word. That teaching is in opposition to false teaching, false doctrine. If you look at verse 9 in, in chapter 13, Justin covered this last week, it says this, Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. So there are false teachers, there's false doctrine, there's false teaching seeping in from our culture but also within local churches. And so one of the roles of a pastor leader is to rightly hold out the word of truth for the good of God's people, for the glory of God. To call out false teaching. To expose error. And can I just take a quick aside, rabbit trail for a minute? I'm not Pastor Daniel, so I won't spend a long time. This will be really fast. You know, a quick rabbit trail. The only way you're going to be able to discern true teaching from false teaching is you have to be a person of the word. You have to be a person of the word if you're going to discern lie from truth, error from what's real. And so if you're here this morning and you struggle to be in God's word, it would be our joy to help you walk in the word. Downstairs in the resource center, there's so many. There's study Bibles, there's resources, there's things that will help you. We have study groups every Sunday morning to help you walk in the Word alongside others. We must be a people of the Word. Godly leaders teach God's Word. Second, godly leaders model faithfulness. They model faithfulness. Look at verse 7 again. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. That means the way in which they live should produce a certain kind of fruit. Pear trees should produce pears. Orange trees should produce oranges. Godly leaders should produce a life of faithfulness. It should be visible and tangible. You should be able to see it. It's faith with skin on. Faith with a face. You should be able to look at your pastors, elders, and see faith lived out in the outcome of their life. Outcome means fruit, a result of their walk. That's why in 1 Timothy 3, it says that one of the qualifications for elders and pastors is that he should not be a new convert. One, because they'll be puffed up with pride and conceit, potential pitfall. But two, not had time to see the outcome of their life yet. Their faith hasn't had time to flesh itself out. But notice it doesn't say see the outcome of their life. It says see the outcome of their way of life. It's a different usage in the Greek. What does it mean? It means this. Look at their disciplines. Look at their practices in spiritual growth. Look at their rhythms. Look at the way in which they live. Look at the way in which they read God's word. They pray. They practice hospitality. They practice generosity. They disciple others. They endure through suffering. Look at the ways in which they do that, that their faith is lived out so that you have a model to follow. I love it when people ask me about my own personal walk with the Lord and how do I study the Bible and how do I pray? Not because I'm somebody awesome and they should follow me, but because we need examples. 
We need people who've gone before us. We need people who are in it who can help us. That's what pastors and elders are meant to be, a gift to you and to me. See the outcome of the way of life. Imitate their faith. Faith is the root that grounds the lives of these leaders. It's not charisma. It's not likability. It's not popularity. It's not competency. It is faith. Faith that we saw in Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. That's what meant to mark the life of these leaders. And then I love how he goes in verse 8 and he points to Jesus. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Why is that there? I think a couple reasons. One, he's reminding us that God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so these leaders are to live out God's word. It doesn't change. Just like Jesus doesn't change, the word of God doesn't change. But just like Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, his way of life is the same. Leaders within the local church should reflect that, not perfectly, but a pursuit of that. Then lastly, I think why it's here, it's reminding us that Jesus is the chief shepherd. If I haven't said it yet, just want to say it again. Jesus is the one who leads Tri-Cities Baptist Church ultimately. We follow him. Everyone follows him. So godly leaders, they teach God's word. They model faithfulness. Third, they protect and they provide. They protect, they provide. That's verse 17, keep watch over your souls. They are called to protect the flock. They are called to provide for the flock. They are called to exercise authority for your good. And it's really important when you look at verse 17, it says, obey your leaders. It's plural, not singular. Submit to them, which is plural, not singular. Anytime we see leadership in the New Testament, it's never one man. It is a plurality. It is a group. There's only one who leads the church. That's Jesus, the chief shepherd. And within the local church, it's God's design that there would be multiple pastors, multiple elders who share the authority, who share the weight of caring for your soul. And so that's really important because when I read through this passage of Scripture and I'm teaching this this morning, I'm not teaching it to you, saying you should do this for me. This is teaching me. I am a member here. I personally am accountable to the other elders and pastors. They shepherd me. I'm so thankful that Pastor Mike watches over my soul. I'm so thankful that Pastor David and Pastor Wes, they they watch over my soul. They're going to give an account for me. Praise God, I need that in my life. Pastor Justin and Pastor Brandon, they, they give account, they care for me. They want me to grow up in Jesus Christ. I need that. You need that. They're trying to protect us trying to love us. Authority is a good gift from God because all authority comes from God. Authority is not something man created. Authority was given by God in the beginning, before the fall, in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2. God looked to Adam and Eve and he gave them dominion. That's authority word. It's a rule word over the fish, the sea, the plants, the animals exercise authority for their sake no for God's glory then authority has been given to God's church to God's people we are called collectively all of us to be a kingdom of priests priesthood believers first Peter chapter 2 
So authority comes from God. It's given to God's people to be stewards and at the same time to be servants. To take what has been given to them and to pour it out for the good of others. And this authority given, to, given by God to God's people, but specifically to elders, pastors, this authority has implications for our lives. Really practical things. It's like when you join and be a part of a church, you are trusting God's authority given to those leaders to make decisions about strategy, about discipleship opportunities for your family and for you, about how we're going to steward resources in this church through generosity and giving. And when you give to those things, and when you go to those things, when you participate in those things with a full heart, you're saying not just that you trust your leader's authority, you're saying, God, I'm entrusting myself to your authority. Because God is supreme. And so he's given leaders to not just teach, not just to model faithfulness, but to lead, to protect, to provide. Next, godly leaders are called to serve with joy. Verse 17, let them do this with joy. It should be a joy for leaders in the local church to serve God's people. 1 Peter 5.2 says that they are to do this eagerly, not under compulsion. This is something we get to do, not that we have to do for God's glory. Lastly, godly leaders lead with integrity. With integrity. Look at verse 18. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. When it says that they lead with integrity, their desire to act honorably in all things, clear conscience, it's not saying the elders are perfect. There are no perfect pastors sinless pastors, but the way in which they serve God's people, they are above reproach. There's no charge that could be brought to them because they are pursuing God's glory and the good of God's people. Second big idea is this. Leaders are accountable to shepherd God's family faithfully. So first big idea Leaders are called to shepherd God's family faithfully. Second, leaders are accountable. Accountable to who? To God. Verse 17, this is a weighty responsibility. This word account means statement. That one day when Jesus comes again, the elders and pastors are going to have to make a statement to God on behalf of their shepherding. It's a heavy thing. It's the same word that Jesus uses in his parables in Matthew and Luke when he talks about the master returning and settling accounts with his servants. Same idea. One day, your leaders are going to stand before God on your behalf. And so ultimately, when you submit to a leader or obey a leader who is teaching you God's word, if they fail to do that in a way that honors God, you are submitting not to them really, you're submitting to God, which is good. And they are going to give an account to God for what they've done or left undone. So when we see all of these things put together, what we see is God in his love and his grace and his kindness and his goodness has given leaders to a local church to care for their soul, 
to help them flourish, to protect them from the enemy. And ultimately, they're going to be accountable to God for that. And that is good news for you and for me. Biblical authority is a good gift from God to his people, the church. Which leads to a second question I want to answer in the few minutes we have remaining, which is this. How should we respond? How should we respond? If God has given his church godly leaders, how should we respond to them? So one caveat, just really quickly, because I know it's one that we think about and wrestle with and unfortunately happens in our world and our culture. The assumption in these responses is that the leaders who are leading you are faithful and godly. If they are not faithful to scripture, if they are not godly, you do not need to follow them. You do not need to obey them, submit to them. You need to leave them and pursue those that are within a healthy local church context. But if you have the gift of grace of being a part of a church family where those leaders are faithful, they're godly, they're pursuing Jesus, these marks are in their life, they're growing, how should we respond? Three ways, very quickly. First is this. Jesus' followers are called to consider and imitate faith of godly leaders. To consider, which means to think about, to look at, to put under the microscope, to to observe, to use our language within the discipleship pathway, to observe their life and what they do and how they live, and to imitate everything they do. No. Imitate their faith. You know, so Pastor Mike might like to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and climb a mountain and go be with Jesus. Do you need to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and climb a mountain and go be with Jesus? No, you don't have to. You know, Daniel might, you know, want to eat some or drink some Diet Dr. Peppers while he's having his Bible time. Do you need to do that? No, just imitate his faith. You don't have to be just like him in all things. Imitate their faith that's there. That's the idea. To consider, verse 7, means to think about, contemplate, give thought to. Look at the way of life. Look at their pursuit of Jesus. Imitate their faith. I think the picture here is a picture of children who imitate their parents. For some of you, you've got young kids or had young kids, and like your child's walking around on the cell phone or has their computer or, you know, wearing the hat like mom or dad wear, playing doctor because mom or dad's a doctor. Like children imitate their parents. The good and sometimes the bad, right? We're going to be honest. We are called to imitate the faith of those who lead us, who serve us. The church should be becoming more like Jesus by following the examples of the leaders that God has given to that church. So look at their life. Look at the way they treat their spouse. Look at the way they pursue Jesus. Look at the way they practice hospitality. Look at the way they practice generosity. Look at the way they suffer when they're mistreated, when they walk through sickness and death and follow their faith. It will help you love Jesus more. It will help you become like Jesus. It is a good gift from God to his people. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, the apostle said, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And again, just a short rabbit aside. For all of us in this room, the goal is that we would be able to say this to your kids' parents, to that coworker you're trying to share the gospel with, to that person at your equip table, that person you're discipling. Look at my life 
Imitate me, not perfect, but pursuing. Imitate my pursuit as I pursue Jesus Christ. That's not just something given to elders, pastors. That's what we are called to be as a body. We get to do that for one another. So how do we respond? First, we consider and imitate the faith of God the leader. Second, Jesus' followers are called to obey and submit to leaders. Obey and submit to godly leaders. Again, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. To obey means to be persuaded by. That's really important. Why would you need to be persuaded by them? Because they are teaching you the word of God. They're not just saying, hey, go do this for me. Hey, go do that. No, they are teaching you the word of God and they are calling you to walk in obedience to the truth. When you obey an elder or pastor, you're not obeying them, you're obeying the Lord. It's talking about the context of those who teach the word. And so when someone is here in another format and they're opening God's word to you and they're calling you to walk in obedience to it, you're not obeying Pastor Paul, you're obeying God. You're submitting to the Lord. That's what it's talking about here. This isn't blind obedience, blind submission. It is obedience to God's word. It is humility and humbling yourself Not to a person, but to the Lord. And that's what Jesus did. Philippians chapter 2, he didn't account equality with God as something to be grasped. He made himself a servant of no reputation. He humbled himself. And so when you humble yourself and you obey the word of God that's being taught to you by a godly leader, you submit to their authority, you yield to the word. You are not just obeying God, but you are taking on the posture of Jesus. Okay, so why do we struggle with this submission and obedience? We could have a whole other message devoted to that. None of us have time to do that this morning. But why do we struggle with it? Let me give you a few reasons. First, for some of you, you've been in a context where you have been legitimately hurt by bad leaders. And as a pastor, I just want to say to you, I'm sorry. That's not God's design for his church. Second, Some of you have had a bad experience because you've had a godly leader who has held out the truth and truth hurts. And you've been rightly wounded and corrected and admonished. And you didn't like it. That was God's grace in your life. Discipline, as we saw in Hebrews chapter 12. Thank God for those kinds of leaders. But third, and I think this is for most of us, why we struggle with this submit and obey idea, is just because we're prideful. We're selfish I want things my way, you want things your way. I don't want to have to bend to anyone or anything. I want to be Lord of my life, and that root is sinful. And so if there's anything in you that causes you to bow up at this command, we should take that before the Lord and say, God, would you forgive me? I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it before thy throne above. This picture of submission and obedience, this is God's good design for his church. So we respond with humble, glad-hearted obedience and submission, ultimately not to a pastor, an elder, or a church body, to Jesus, to God's word, to our king. Submission is always ultimately to Jesus, not to a man. But friends, let me just say this too. Rejection 
of God's word is never a rejection of a person or their teaching. It is a rejection of God. And you will give an account for your action. So this is meant to encourage us. This is also meant to humble us. Lastly, the last way to respond is this. Jesus' followers are called to encourage and pray for godly leaders. Encourage and pray. Look at verse 17. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Pray for us. Church family, would you pray for us? Being a pastor is a weighty thing. It's a heavy thing. Caring for your soul, praying for you, fighting for you. And it is a joy to do it, but it is a heavy burden that we will have to give an accountable to God for one day. So pray for us. Pray for our families. Pray for our kids. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our abiding. We need you to do that. It is such a gift when you do that. And encourage your leaders. You know, I, I think about at home, I, I'll just um, be completely honest. I am not a morning person, and I can be grumpy, okay? So I'm just going to get down the table. There, there it is. You know, that's, that's just the honest truth. You know, I'm just my wife isn't in the service, so I can say it in this one. Um, it's, it's just reality. So you know what, what Katie does for me sometimes? She knows that I love coffee, and she knows when I drink coffee, I'm a happier person. So it's her joy to encourage me in the morning to drink coffee before I interact with the rest of the family. And you know what happens? I'm more joyful with the rest of the family. When you work for the joy of your leaders, it benefits you. It's a blessing to you. And there is no, I want you to hear this, please. There's no greater joy for a pastor leader than to see you walk in the truth. There's nothing that's more joyful than to see you following Jesus. So would you do that with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength? I just want to invite you to bow your head where you are together this morning. We're going to move into a time of response. I just want to ask you the question that we ask every week. You, before the Lord in this moment, team's going to come up and kind of play behind us, give you some space to respond. What is your next step of obedience this morning? How do you need to respond to God's word this morning? For some, that might be to repent. The way you viewed the local church, leadership in the local church, submission to your leaders, you've not seen it as submission unto the Lord. You've been pushing back in certain things, and so ultimately you're not really pushing back against a person or a group of people, of leaders. You're pushing back against Jesus. It might be a need to repent. God, forgive me. I've not had the right heart attitude toward your leaders, toward your church. I've not been walking in submission to you. For some, it might be, it's not just repentance of an action or heart. Maybe as you hear all this, you realize Jesus has never been my chief shepherd. He's never been my Lord. It's to respond to him, to trust in him. 
by faith. For some of us, the response is to obey. Maybe there's some things that God's leaders have been declaring to you from his word that you've struggled to obey, to walk in obedience to. Even last week from Hebrews 13, in your marriage, in your hospitality, in your generosity, in your brotherly love, in your sacrifice of praise. And the list goes on. Maybe it's just to obey, to entrust yourself to God through God's people, trusting for him to do work in you. For some of us, the response might be to share. You might just need to leave this morning and go find one of those leaders in this church, outside this church, and encourage them, thank them, pray for them. And for all of us this morning, a response is to rejoice. This is God's plan, this is God's design. God loves his church, he loves you. So rejoice at your good shepherd. Ask him to help you. When your heart's prone to wander, would you ask that he would take it and seal it to remind you of the gospel, to entrust yourself to him. Father God, we come this morning and we respond to you and your word. We thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you lay down your life for your sheep. Would you help the shepherds of this church be faithful to reflect that? And would you lead your church for your glory? And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.